Welcome to the first in a special series of Island Life programmes. Over the next few weeks, we'll be delving into the audio vaults here at the Nation Station, taking a look back at some of the highlights from Manx Radio's archives from across the decades. Today, another chance to hear an edition of In Their Own Time, presented by much-missed broadcaster and hugely respected member of the Manx community, John Kenyuk. This programme was first broadcast in 2013 and features memories of farming in the island in conversation with Florrie Kinvig. So pull up a comfy chair, sit back and enjoy. Dear countrymen, what air is left to us of ancient heritage, of manners, speech, of humours, polity, the limited horizon of our stage, old love, hope and fear, all this I fain would fix upon the page. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of In Their Own Time. I'm John Kenyuk. On the programme today, Florrie Convig shares her memories of life growing up in the countryside in the south of the island. Born at Bolanank, Florrie was involved in farm life from a very early age. My grandfather farmed there. I think he was 63 or 4, and he took a heart attack and died when I was about eight weeks old. So then my grandmother had to sell up, you see. And uh, we went up to the Morney to live above Kenyuk's, because grandfather had the fields and the house. Well, we lived in the house, and my mother done our jobs and, and all. My father worked in uh, Gordon's uh, Market Garden down at the Folly at the airport. Well, we must have been there five or six years or more. He even worked there the first year we went farming. Without giving too much away, then, what sort of year are we talking about? Well, I don't know. I'm 90 for, for August. <laughs> <laughs> we can work that out, then. I can work that out. So, were, were times hard, then? Oh, much harder than they are now. I sometimes wonder what they're complaining about. But everybody was helping each other. You see, the farms helped the people that didn't have provisions or anybody was ill or, you know, everybody helped each other. And did you have neighbours close by? Well, um, my grandfather was close and then Kenyuk the Moniz was the next. Where would you go to school then? Bolomada. Did you? Went uh, down through Glenmore and across the stream and then across the Clyker River and up through Clyker Farm. Yes. What about a wet day? Did you get wet? Oh, well, if it wasn't too bad, if it was too bad, you had to stop home, because the, the river was up. If it was too bad, sometimes we've had to get out of school early, that in case the river was up, that we'd get over the bridge. And how many would be going to Ballymorder in those days? Just under forty, I would think, thirty-six maybe. 38. So a little village school. Oh yes. One teacher or two? Two. Or? And if your coats were wet, uh, going into school in the morning, there was a big fire guard and the coats was all put round the fire. Of course, there was no heat in the room and the coats was round the fire. Was the yeah. fire the only heat you had in the school? Yeah, two fires, one in each room. What mm-hmm. about school dinners, did you...? We had to bring sandwiches. 
But we did, couldn't get hot water. They boiled the kettle and we got hot drinks. And did you leave school then from Ballamorda? No, I went to Castletown for a year. Victoria Road, they closed Ballamorda. My sister went down to St Mark's because that was uh, the junior. And I went to Castletown for a year. John and me went to Castletown for a year. Was it different? Oh, much different. Yeah, there was about, I don't know, about somewhere like 400 going then, yeah. There's a lot more to do, a wider experience, yes. And then, of course, you could walk uptown at lunchtime. <laughs> and how did you travel then from Ballamore to uh, Castletown? Well, we had to walk out to Ballamore Street to get the bus, which, I don't know, would be a mile and a half. Through the fields, mostly. You would leave school eventually? and uh, Yes, 14. And what then? Stayed home to work on the farm with my father. Did you, though? No choice then. Were you just told? Was that just expected of you? Just expected of you, yeah. Even though you were a girl? Yes, there was no choice, no. And what sort of farm work would you do? Oh, everything. Oh, feeding cattle and cleaning out mostly and whitewashing. I've done it all. Brought the mare to the smithy. To get shod? Yes, to get shod. Jim to your smithy then. It's gone now, isn't it? Oh, yes, it's gone now. And Jim Tier himself, the blacksmith Yes, there? himself and Jimmy was there, yes. And would they, would they be busy in those days? Uh, yes, quite busy. Yeah, sometimes you didn't have to wait very long. Uh, it didn't take them long to shoe a horse, really. They were, there was two of them, you see, they were pretty nifty at the job. And was all the work on the farm done with horses then? Plan? Oh, yes, horses was a lifeline. There would have been nothing only for the horse. Nobody had a tractor when I started out. No tractors. Well, there might have been on the lower, but I don't think there was many anywhere, really. And did you work with horses? Yes. I've never ploughed, but I've done harrowing and rolling. Yes. How far would you walk in a day behind a pair of horses? Oh, I don't know. The field would have, I suppose, five or six acres, maybe. Back and forward till Back it was finished? Back and forward, yes. And you'd go crooked, and then you'd try to straighten it, and <laughs> end up worse than ever. <laughs> Well, it was a lot, and most people was doing the same, you see. Mm. Our neighbours, they were all doing the same. Yes, yes. Yes. What about the seasons on the farm then? What, what about the springtime? Would, would you be busy in the spring with, with arable work? Oh, yes, we're quite busy because you'd be finishing off, you know, feeding the beef cattle and getting the other cattle out on the grass if it was fit. And, uh, but there wasn't big milking herds then. You know, my father had eight cows when I started, mm-hmm. but you see, there wasn't big milking herds. But they'd all be cleaned with a shovel and a wheelbarrow? Oh, yes, and a wheelbarrow, yeah. Wheeling up the plank. Yeah. And then putting the dung out with the cart? And oh, the... yes, yes. And did you do all that? I'd never done that, but I'd duck turnips and carted them. It would come to the summertime then, to, to the, it was the horses that cut the hay? and. Oh, horses done everything. Yes, horse. you couldn't do nothing without the horse, the reaper, the binder, if they're, uh, putting the turnips in, the carrots in, heroin, scarifier, and, uh, sledge in the ridges, uh, horse done everything. Do you remember bad harvests? Well, it could have been. Uh, we've had bad harvests, and uh, it could be difficult because sometimes the weather wasn't very good, but then if the binder was going well today, it might be broke down tomorrow. Yes. And the only man that could fix it was in Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It could be, but um, well, most people, well, everybody seemed to manage, you know. 
and the, the tale is told that if one farmer was a bit late and somebody else was finished, you'd go and help. To oh yes, off. oh yes. Oh, that wasn't unusual. And you would help another fellow to, to get finished? Oh, yes. And would you have a Dutch barn or were you no, stacks? No, we had no Dutch barn, just stacks. How did you thatch the stacks? Uh, my father thatched the stacks. Rushes? Yes, we used to cut them up in Kerakeel Garys, make bands and cart them home. And uh, my father used to do the thatching and then when it came to rope and I had to walk around with the kayar in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done a bit of that, I think. <laughs> yeah, and picking stones to weight it down. Yes, yes. That was another uh, thing. Were you proud of the stacks when they were built and thatched? The, the heck it always looked good when it was well, done, wasn't it? Well, they all looked well. Um, and people are saying now the owls are missing. Well, that's what the owls is missing. You see, it was the stacks. Uh, and then when, the, when you'd have a thrashing done and the grain was put on the granary, the windows were open and the owls would be in, in the granary. I mean, I've heard people saying they don't know what's happened to the owls. Well, I know what's happened to the owls. And when it would come to the back end then, uh, digging spuds and uh, oh, hard yes. work? Well, my father used to split the ridges with the plough and mm. then we'd have to pick them. My grandfather went to the show and bought a potato digger, and that was a wonderful. I think he paid about £24 for it. He got into trouble when he got home for spending money, but then uh, a lot of people borrowed it after that. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. Winter would come on and cattle would in the house, and, the, oh, and yes. then the work would start on the yard. Oh, yes. In about October, there was nothing out in the fields, only the sheep. And there wasn't big flocks of sheep then. Mm. Not and on where we were at all. And no electricity? Oh, no electricity, no. That was one of the things. After dinner a day, you had to get the oil and the lamps for the house and get the hurricane's glasses cleaned and paraffin in them for for night. Yes. And doing all the yard work with a hurricane? Oh, yes, hurricane, yes. The Aladdin lights come in and uh, my father would, wasn't very keen on them because they were so hot. He was afraid they'd cause a fire, so we had to stick with the old hurricane. So you were working home on the farm then, and you'd be, what was it, a teenager growing up now? Yes, I was home until I was 26. What about social life then? Where was the social centre? there wasn't very much. There'd be tea parties like uh, Balamora, uh, Balasala, uh, the Malu Church used to have dues in the church house, and... And then there wasn't much social life in the chapel apart from Sunday. They used to have a Christmas party down in the schoolhouse in about January or February time. Now, there wasn't... You could go out to different things. There were sports in the summer. You took it as it come. There was no problem. Did you go to Douglas on a Saturday night? Oh, my son, no. (laughs) (laughs) Never? No, uh, yes, we, we were allowed to go about twice in the summer. You're listening to a special Island Life episode. We're looking back into the Manx Radio archive from 2013 to bring you John Kenyuk in conversation with Florrie Convig, reflecting back on her life in the southern farming community on the island from the 1920s onwards. I've known you for years associated with the chapel. Yes. Were you always, even in your young days, were you, were you and your family associated with chapel? Oh, yes, we always went to chapel, yes. Were you made to go? Or did, or did Well, I don't think we were made to go. We were sort of expected to go and we accepted it. It was a way of life, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a way of, Well, sometimes it was the only way you could get out. 
if you didn't go to chapel, you didn't get out. <laughs> so which chapel would you be associated with in those days? Kerakeel. Were you with Kerakeel yeah. then? We went down to Greenaby till I was at Balaglani when I was nine. Right. My father started the farm at Balaglani when we went And that's nine. where you grew up? That's where I grew up, yes. So it was up the road then to Kerakeel? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Well, in the winter we had to bring a light because it'd be absolutely pitch dark. So there was no lights in the country, you see, the... Only a, perhaps a single paraffin lamp on a table, or and could you walk about in the dark? You, you carried the hurricane usually mm, mm. Uh, if you were going on strange ground or even out. Uh, oh no, you had to have the hurricane, and uh, and then Woolworth started to sell what they called flash lamps then, and well, that was wonderful till the battery ran out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and how was the chapel lit then? Paraffin lamps. Ella Watterson used to go in in the afternoon and uh, and they'd be all oiled and and lit about. She used to go in about five o'clock to light them. Yes. Tell yeah. me about Tom the fiddler. Oh well, I remember Tom. I I walked up to chapel with Minnie and Ivy and it, and they would have to carry the fiddle, and I would have to carry the light, and Tom would be pegging in with a stick, you know. What was his role in <coughs> chapel then? Playing the fiddle. No organ. Uh, yes, the organ would be there. Oh, and he played the fiddle as well. Oh, or? he played the fiddle as well. Yes. Oh, yes. Do you remember him playing the fiddle? Oh yes, I've heard him playing the fiddle. But they said he didn't always agree with the organist. You know, <laughs> tell her if she was in the wrong key or it didn't <laughs> suit him. It was sometimes him that was in the wrong key. At the chapel, then there would be dues at the chapel. What what were oh, the yes. what were the highlights of the year? Well, the harvest, Thanksgiving, and the anniversary was about the only things. And then they started, well, we had the Ilveri too, of course, but uh, we never had tea at the Ilveri until we got the silver van, Russian silver van. That was the first uh, time we had tea at the uh, Ilveri, but we always had tea at the harvest. Right, but right. But you had to bring all the dishes, you know, and the food as well. But there wasn't a lot of room in the chapel for you? Not a lot, but I've, I've seen it when the people couldn't get in the chapel. Yeah, they've sat in the pulpit and sat everywhere, yeah. Was it a good community where everybody sort of uh, together and, and all oh, yes. same lifestyle? Oh, yes, the same lifestyle, yes. No, yeah, everybody was the same then. There was no cars, you just walked everywhere. And what about the neighbourhood round Grenaby and Kerakeel then as neighbours if... Uh, if a family was, uh, if there was somebody sick or... or... Oh, the, everybody helped each other. Um, I mean, there was two old couples living down in Balladuggan at the top of Greenby Hill there, and uh, where Stanley is now, he had to go away to Clatterbridge and she'd had a stroke. Frances Kenyuk from Moni Moa, she was my age, and we'd done a night each for a fortnight sleeping on with the old lady, like, and giving her breakfast in the morning, getting the fire lit, and, yes, and then a woman came in to clean, and Mrs. Schumann came in to clean. But Frances, we were there in the morning. Well, she would do a, day, a night, and I would do a night. Right. Yeah, well, I don't know, we'd be about 17 or 18 or something like that. When you married then and farmed on your own, um, did life change a lot then? I suppose it did, really. We were in Balaglani down here where Ashley is. Yes. It had a different light because we were working for ourselves. That's right. <laughs> you see, it, uh, that was a big difference. And we kept a lot of poultry and uh, we used to put milk to the hotels in Porerin and Oh, I've been plucking chickens at five o'clock in the morning. 
and somebody once said to me when I started to work on my own, you're working for the worst boss you've ever worked for now. And <laughs> would that be the case? Would it be sort of all hours oh, of daylight? Oh, it was all hours, yes. Was, and and uh, Robert's mother and father was in poor health and sometimes he had to sleep down there with them. You know, but they all took turns, you know, and mm. he had to take his turn mm. with the rest of them. Yeah. Now, yes. he was a great man for, for uh, stock, though, wasn't he, Robert, your husband? Oh, yes, yeah. Well, sheep and horses. Sheep, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done cows like Ashley is doing. But it's rubbed off a bit, though, hasn't it? Yes. He's, he's still the stock there. But he's a great man for sheepdog trials. Oh, yes, he liked the sheepdog trials. And ran dogs. Yes, I think Ashley is more like Robert's father, really. Right. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever remember being snowed up at Kerakeel? Oh, yes. That wasn't unusual. Was it not? No, every winter nearly we'd be snowed up. Yes. How, how did you cope? The houses uh, generally would get a bag of flour and a bag of sugar and a box of tea and a, and a, maybe a pack of soap. And the poultry would be getting sold at Christmas, the dressed poultry. And then uh, my mother would start buying things in that, in case it snowed. You so they were always prepared? Oh, yes. You had to have coal and everything all in. Coke, used to burn coke too. Where would you shop then from Kerakeel? Castletown. I think there was about three grocers in Castletown. Were the, were the people, were the tradespeople coming round to the farms in the neighbourhood? Not a lot, no. There was some, the, the bakers started coming when the vans got on the road. What would that be, two or three times a week maybe? Oh yes, about, uh, well, uh, Moors would come twice a week and Kermit's came twice a week. And then Holmes was up a couple of times a week. We didn't deal with homes, it was Moors and Kermuds we mm. had, but they were common. Now, one of the things that I've, I've heard about the anniversary, it was always the f- first Sunday in August, have I got that right? I think it originally, if there was five Sundays in July, it was on the second Sunday, but if there was only four Sundays in July, oh no, four Sundays would be on the second Sunday, five Sundays in July would be on the third Sunday. All right. Yeah. But the thing that I've always heard was when anybody went out for tea, you're always going to get blackberry pie, uh, blaeberry pie. Oh, yes, there's quite a few people used to pick blaeberries, yes. And was there a lot of blaeberries up around Kerakeel? Yeah, well, to be quite honest, I was never into picking blaeberries. <laughs> it's a tiresome <laughs> job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I remember my father used to think uh, blaeberries were wonderful, but I was never into picking blaeberries. I could manage the blackberries fine, but I was never into <laughs> picking blaeberries. If somebody was ill, and what about doctors coming up to such a place well, as Kerry you, uh, you had to go and get the doctor. Uh, you either went to Castletown and to the house, or Kenyuk's Balahat had a telephone, and they were very good. You could go there and telephone. They were very good. Uh, anybody had anything urgent, you could go there and telephone. And I think you, le- you left your money on the table, tuppence or thruppence or something. Right, yes, yes. yes. Things we take for granted now, don't oh, we? Oh, yes. Pick the phone up now. And oh, yes. No, there wasn't many. No, I think that was the nearest telephone for a long time. Were you like us when we were growing up, the new clothes for the anniversary that had to last you for the rest of the year? Oh, yes, they did. Yes. <laughs> Oh, gosh, and if you had shoes, if you are caught kicking a stone, my gosh, you are for and the did, long And did you have Sunday best? Oh, yes. Uh, later on, it, it was mostly what you went to school. Right. And you went on, on, so, because the minute you came home from school, you had to go and change. Oh, yes. You see? But That's... we had Sunday shoes, like, at... Uh, 
Sometimes top coats and all was what we wore at school, you know. The change that takes place, new people come to live in the area. Um, do you still remember that and, and wish you were back in the old days or, or are you still content with what's happening now? Well, you just accept what's going on. In many ways, we're very lucky. We're extremely lucky, but I think a lot of things are taken for granted, you know. Do you think if people lived in your day, Laurie, that they would appreciate more what they've got now? Yes, I suppose they would. Well, there's still quite a few about that lived in my day, but I think things are moving on fast in times, you know. They are. Are we more wasteful now than we were then? Oh, yes, I would think so. No, I think people are more... Well, when I was uh, young and, and shopping for my mother, you would never see big trolleys of groceries. Somebody would be carrying a basket and everything would be in the basket. But a lot of the farms, you see, had a pig in the barrel and herrings in the barrel and very often a mutton. You know, they had a lot, and then it was always chickens. But uh, it wasn't always easy to get a chicken. You were you eating the profit if you ate a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> All the spuds and, and, and veg in, in the field. Oh, everything was growing, yes. Cabbage, carrots, onions, cauliflower. Because your people were great for, yes. for veg, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, my father grew quite a lot of veg. Did. Yes. Peas, and, oh yes, we grew and... All that sort of stuff. What happened in the wartime? Was it, was it vastly different <coughs> for farmers up in Garakeel? Well, life went on much the same as it was. It, it didn't affect up there very much. It was in other places where the younger people went to the war. Yes. That had a big effect. That had a big effect on everything. That on the country life and all sorts of life. You see, there was hundreds of young fellows went away to the war. You know, I uh, knew quite a few and they never came back. Of your generation? Yes. Oh, that had a big... Because uh, uh, people used to employ a man, you see. Well, they went off to the wall. and It was mostly families after that uh, on the farms, yes. Right. And that was another thing, right? There was always help on the farms, wasn't there? Oh, yes, there was always help. Different to now, you know, there's not much help now. Of course, we were lucky because the two boys stayed home, but uh, a lot of families today doesn't. No, uh, no. They don't stay home. And, no. and farms were, were kept... They were spick and span, weren't they? Uh, whitewashing would be done. Oh, and yes, whitewashing, yeah. And the hedges would be cut. Uh, that seems to be a thing now that doesn't seem to get done so much, you know. Uh, the war did have a big... did make, bring a lot of changes because the tractors and the vans started coming in after the war, and that was a big, big change. Yeah. Now, now some people look back, like you're looking back, and they call them the good old days. Yes. What do you think? Well, I don't, I don't know. I think the farms weren't so bad. There was good times and there was poor times, but when you had a, a house with a family in it and the, and the man was out of work... That was very hard. Because there were no national health in oh, your days? Oh, nothing then, no. Did no. you have to pay the doctor? Oh, yes, you had to pay the doctor, and, and you, you you had to be on the way dying nearly before you'd get the doctor. Yes, it was uh, serious if a doctor had to come. And would a nurse ever, would you have a district yes, nurse? Yes, a district, a district nurse come after the war, and she was as good as any doctor. She was very good. That was a big help. To people with young children and all, and mm. older people, that was a very big help. You say you're 90, you're 90... In August. 90 in August. <laughs> Life's still good? Oh, yes, yes. Apart from having this flu, I've, been, I've had a good winter. 
I've been out every day on the, around the place. I'm very fond of the garden, and I'm, I don't stop in the house unless I got to. <laughs> so you're a real country lady, enjoying life in retirement now. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And, and oh, I haven't retired yet. <laughs> And our thanks to Flory Convig for sharing her memories of rural life in the south of the island in the 20s and 30s. We'll be back at the same time next week with more reflections of life in the Isle of Man in days gone by. That saw the coming age lost in the Empire's mass, yet happily longing for their fathers, here may see as in a glass what they held dear. They say, "'Twas thus and thus they lived, and as the time flood onward rolls, secure an anchor for their Celtic souls." You've been listening to a special programme from the Manx Radio Archive. Much-missed broadcaster John Kenyuk in conversation with the wonderful Flory Kinvig. And if you missed any of this evening's programme, you can listen back again via podcast, either at manxradio.com or using your usual provider. Join us at the same time next week for another dip into the vault.